From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads, and for all of those uh, of you who are fortunate enough uh, to be fathers. Uh, my boys uh, made my Father's Day extra special. I got me a new barbecue, <laughs> and it only took me about a day and a half to assemble it. I mean, my gosh, you have to assemble a, a team from NASA to put those things together these days. However, I got it done just in time uh, to put some uh, burby, uh, bar, uh, burgers on the barbecue. Wow. A busy show tonight, as always. And here's a taste of what's ahead. Uh, our panel in just moments, George Freund and John Rappaport are here to discuss uh, the recent shooting of the GOP's uh, men's baseball team in Alexandria, Virginia. Four people, of course, including Re Representative Steve Scalise, Republican of Louisiana, member of the House leadership, uh, were shot in an attack at a baseball field. The shooter, James Hodgkinson, 66, Belleville, Illinois, of course, died following a shootout with uh, police. And he was a self-described leftist activist, a volunteer for Bernie Sanders' campaign. And he reportedly had a kill list in his pocket of other Republicans. And this really just capping off, well, a year and more of um, increasingly violent rhetoric, I must say, from the left. The leftist media, certain members of the Democratic Party, and uh, Hollywood, of course. So, uh, has the left effectively declared war on conservatives? We'll discuss. Then, are scientists putting us in danger? A molecular biologist says many in the scientific community are ignoring empirical science, and uh, they're more worried about grant money than seeking the truth. Dr. Jonathan Wells is the author of Zombie Science, and he'll be here uh, right after the break. What's in the box, of course? Our weekly remote viewing experiment. Uh, the man behind the terrifying paranormal documentary, Sir No-Face, Chad Kalick, will be here. He, of course, of Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. Hour two, as always, open lines and Carl Gallup's on the alien deception. Busy show, indeed. Let me quickly introduce the boys in the band. On the Flying V Gibson guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin story producer, Albert Vinzel. And finally, on the Hammond B3, the producer of my weekly radio feature, Strange Planet, Ryan White. Ryan White is here. All right, very quickly, uh, our weekly remote viewing experiment. You know the drill. Let me give you the coordinates. The mystery object is inside the cigar box uh, to my left on the studio desk here at Zoomerplex. 70 Jefferson Ave in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All right, remote viewers, now get to work. The one who correctly identifies the object will be rewarded with some fine conspiracy show uh, merchandise. And please take a moment to visit the online store at theconspiracyshow.com, theconspiracyshow.com. If you're a fan of the show, why not show it off and get yourself a mug or a T-shirt or a phone case, theconspiracyshow.com. Now, you must, to be eligible, you must use the hashtag TCS Remote, and you must tweet me at Richard Serrett, at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, -T. use the hashtag TCS Remote. 
All right. June 14th, 2017, Alexandria, Virginia. A man opens fire and uh, several Republican members of Congress practicing for the annual congressional baseball game for charity, which was scheduled for the next day. James Thomas Hodgkinson of Belleville, Illinois, shot four people. House Majority Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana. Zach Barth, a congressional aide. Matt Micah, a Tyson Foods lobbyist. And Crystal Greiner, a Capitol Police officer assigned to protect Scalise. Uh, a 10-minute shootout uh, ensued between Hodgkinson and uh, officers from the Capitol and Alexandria Police. They shot Hodgkinson. He later died from his wounds in George Washington University Hospital. Uh, Scalise and uh, the lobbyists were hospitalized at the MedStar Washington Hospital Center. Scalise uh, underwent at least three operations on a hip wound, and uh, now his condition has been upgraded to serious from critical. Uh, he was the first sitting member of Congress uh, to have been shot since Arizona Representative Gabriel Giffords was shot back in 2011. Now, the question is, should we be surprised, given the the violent rhetoric uh, from people like Kathy Griffin holding a mock severed head of the president. Uh, a play in New York City, which is a modern reworking of Julius Caesar, where uh, Julius Caesar has been replaced by a man who dresses and acts like President Trump. He's assassinated in a bloody stabbing rampage, and the killers in the play are portrayed as the heroes. Has the left declared war on conservatives? Here to discuss is independent researcher and the host of the podcast Conspiracy Cafe, George Freund. George, welcome. How are you, my friend? Oh, not too bad, thanks. And happy Father's Day to you. Happy Father's Day to you, my friend. And um, my understanding is we do not have John Rappaport. Uh, not available. All right, so we will soldier on in his stead. And we should uh, point out uh, for those who want to uh, to follow George Freund's uh, podcast and his his uh, blog, they can go to conspiracy-cafe.com, www.conspiracy-cafe.com. Uh, first of all, um, your, your thoughts on, on that shooting last Wednesday, George. This was a orchestrated assault, not just on Trump. I don't know if you came across the information that, uh, you know, surprised me as well. It was Trump's birthday. And this was a birthday present from the deep state just to remind him that not just that we're gunning for you, but all the conservatives in the Congress are put on warning that if you cross us, we'll finish you and we know where you are and we know how to get you. And uh, that, that was probably like the, the deep mafia style message that was sent to him and to people. Hard to, hard to substantiate anything like that. But let's assume for a moment that it was, it, you, there may be something there, George, I can't speak to that, but let's assume that it was as it appears, just for the time being, and that it was this lone wolf, this self-described leftist activist, apparently he was living in a van, um, and um, had been sort of stalking them, had a kill list in his pocket of other prominent Republicans that he wanted to target. But the question about the how how much of the how much of this we have to oh I understand we are now joined by uh, John Rappaport our investigative reporter uh, and uh, the man of course behind no more fake news John welcome how are you okay Richard 
Richard, sorry for the delay. Got caught up with something couldn't avoid, but here I am. No worries. Um, George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe is also with us, and uh, just uh, George has weighed in on it. I want to get your immediate your your thoughts on the shooting in Alexandria, John. Well, I don't think that there's any question that the question you posed does the political left have a part in creating an atmosphere that is conducive to terror is true by various actions that we've seen that make it okay, even trendy, fashionable, the right thing to do, the necessary thing to do. It's no use talking anymore. Argument and debate are past. We have you know, the greatest threat to our democracy, etc., etc., with Trump and so forth. And this sets the stage for people who may or may not have committed their violent acts anyway. You know, you can't go back and visit the woods and the shoulds and so forth, but it certainly creates this kind of atmosphere. I don't think there's any question about that. Well, Bernie Sanders, uh, to his credit, immediately came out and condemned the action because Hodgkinson was a volunteer with his campaign. So Bernie Sanders, I thought, did the admirable thing. Nancy Pelosi, however, initially she came out and said she's praying for you know the families of the injured and also praying for Donald Trump and hopes he is successful, but then has quickly sort of backed up on that and is now blaming rhetoric from the right for the violence. I mean, they are unabashed, unapologetic, and unwilling to admit that the level of discourse has devolved to such an extent that these things are now are now possible. George, how much of this do we have to lay with the, the left-wing media? How much of the water do they have to carry on this? Oh, most of it. I've seen people that I know that, you know, you think are upstanding, decent people and all that sort of thing, but they've been programmed by the media to hate Trump with a passion where they openly espouse violence as a means of getting their way and that they look at Trump as if he's some sort of demon that has to be removed from the body politic by force if necessary. And, you know, I find that just quite shocking. Like, you do have your chance. It comes four years from now. You get another election. And then, you know, you can put up some other candidate, and uh, and that's the way we settle our differences in countries that are free and democratic. We don't uh, have elections based on the tanks in the street or, or the level of violence that's uh, put one against the other. That's just totally uh, unsatisfactory. George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe, conspiracy-cafe.com. John Rappaport, investigative reporter, nomorefakenews.com. John, George was intimating, and he's an independent researcher. I can't corroborate or really speak to it, but his suggestion is that Hodgkinson is no crazed lone wolf. This may be a warning shot fired over the Trump presidency from deep within the deep state. Is there any credence to that? Well, anything is possible. I mean, I don't have any evidence that I can lay out there that shows that this is actually the case. So, to me, uh, at this point, at least, it's an unanswerable question. But, sure, it's possible. I mean, look, the whole effort has been to say, and from the left, Trump is not the president. This didn't happen. There wasn't a real election. It was interference from Russia all along, etc., etc., that actually illegally got Trump into the presidency and therefore he has to be removed because he's not really the president. Therefore, that's another reason you see why anything is doable here. 
We're just about out of time here, but where does this end? We've seen it ratchet up. We now have conservatives who are invited onto college campuses met with rioting mobs. We have Kathy Griffin holding up a severed head, a mock severed head of the president. We have a play in New York City, Julius Caesar, where Julius Caesar is President Trump being stabbed. And now we have this shooting. Where does this end? George Freund, quickly to you. Well, hopefully not in civil war. The important part about Scalise is he was the one who was introducing legislation to get after the human trafficking, and that was one of the big reasons that he was targeted, is because that is the big scandal from the election, was the Pedogate scandal. And one of the uh, prosecutors, there's been three lawyers killed in Florida, one of them was a prosecutor who was looking into voting irregularities in Florida. All right, we'll have to pick up and do that on another show, George. Uh, I want to follow up on that. Uh, Very quickly, John, to you, where does this end? I don't know where it ends, but it doesn't look great, I'll tell you that. It needs to end with something rational, but it's not happening. And there is no prediction about how far this can go. I mean, there are forces at work that are definitely trying to start a a civil war in the United States. All right, we'll leave it there on that dour note. John Rappaport, no more fake news.com. George Freund, Conspiracy Cafe, conspiracy cafe.com. Gentlemen, thank you both. Coming up next, are scientists putting us at risk? Dr. Jonathan Wells, author of Zombie Science on The Conspiracy Show. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Bottom of the hour, our weekly remote viewing experiment results will reveal what's in the box and a special story from our very own Ian Robertson. This one's a good one. He told me a couple weeks ago. Uh, this goes back into the family history, and you got to hear this. And uh, also at 11.45, or coming up um, towards the uh, the top of the hour, Chad Kalick, uh, paranormal investigator. You know him from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. He's got a, a new documentary out called Sir No Face Lives, and uh, he's touring the documentary uh, across North America starting in August. And this documentary reportedly holds proof that ghosts are real. And this was a study sanctioned by the Australian government. So we'll uh, speak with Chad Kalick a little bit later. My next guest is a biologist and an author who says scientists are more worried about grant money than seeking the truth. He says tax dollars are being lavished on a scientific dead end. Many scientists don't want to upset their grant money funding, so they stay away from controversy. He says, by doing this, scientists ignore empirical science, which is seeking the truth by formulating a hypothesis and testing it against evidence. And instead, they embrace what he calls zombie science, promoting material explanations despite opposing evidence. And just as in a bad zombie movie, the misguided neo-Darwinian theory of evolution and the misleading textbook images used to promote it, which Wells calls icons of evolution, they keep coming like a bloodthirsty zombie mob. 
Zombies are make-believe, but zombie science is real, and it threatens not just science, but our whole culture, he says. Jonathan Wells has two PhDs, one in molecular and cell biology from the University of California at Berkeley, and one in religious studies from Yale University. He's worked at as, as a, a postdoctoral research biologist at the University of California at Berkeley and the supervisor of a medical laboratory in Fairfield, California. He's taught biology at California State. His written work has been published in numerous outlets, and his latest book, Zombie Science, uh, hit shelves earlier this spring. His first publication, Icons of Evolution, shows how biology textbooks and rut- uh, routinely promote Darwinism using bogus evidence. Dr. Jonathan Wells, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Likewise. Um, first of all, what is, I mean, we sort of hinted at it, but give us what, a, a more detailed explanation of what you mean by zombie science, because that's a very provocative title. Well, I thought you put it very well. It's uh, telling materialistic stories uh, as though they were evidence-based science, when actually they misrepresent the evidence. And the icons of evolution I wrote about in 2000 are 10 of those in our biology textbooks. And here it is, 2017, and they're still with us. So obviously the materialistic story uh, matters more to some mainstream scientists than the evidence. Now, but when you say, or at least, you know, a lot of the press material uh, is saying that scientists are putting us in danger. It's one thing to offer up bogus evidence, you know, to prop up the new state religion, which is materialism and evolution. Uh, but it's another thing to say that this is putting us at risk. Where Where is that line? Where are scientists putting us at risk in their pursuit of grant money? Well, uh, any time that they uh, disregard the evidence in favor of keeping their grant money, they put us at risk. Uh, unfortunately, uh, science, which, as you said, should be the search for truth, has become predominantly a search for money. And along the way, the truth becomes secondary, and so does the evidence. And so scientists pursue lines of research that you go nowhere or actually lead to results that end up being retracted later in journals, and that's happening more and more now. Could you give me a specific uh, example, um, an area of study, whether it, I, I don't know, would, for example, uh, I call it the, you know, the global warming hysteria. Uh, I don't know where, you, you know, you fall in this argument. It doesn't really matter, but I'm wondering if that might be an example of what you're talking about, where we're hearing a lot of phrases these days like the science is in there's no more discussion which is in itself very unscientific uh, as it applies to the whole global warming and anthropomorphic global warming um, um, or man-made global warming sorry so is is that an example of what you're talking about zombie science actually I think it is although I am not a climatologist so my knowledge of that area is probably not much much more detailed than yours. But I'll give you an example from my own area, biology. Uh, Scientists learned, oh, 50, 40, 50 years ago, that most of our DNA does not code for protein. Only about 2% of it does. So uh, under um, under the spell, as it were, of Darwinian evolution, they decided that the the other 98% was junk left over from evolution. Well, they were wrong. It's turning out uh, in the last 10 years we've discovered that 
that other 98% does in fact perform important functions. And so this materialistic story that led to the myth of junk DNA, I call it, uh, has actually impeded science and actually held back uh, research in medicine. Interesting. And I mean, as I mean, you you live in that space. I mean, have you been? Have you sort of run up against a situation where you've had to make a decision, uh, either uh, take the grant money or, or um, you know, stop studying or stop researching a particular you know area? Well, I decided uh, back in 2000 that I wasn't going to play that game. That's when I wrote Icons of Evolution and became what my colleagues call the most hated man in America. I think that's an exaggeration, but it flatters me. <laughs> A badge of honor. And, uh, <laughs> yes, and so since then I've been on private money, uh, which is different from public grant money. Uh, it's not controlled by the scientific consensus. And so I have been relatively free from the problem, but many, many of my colleagues have suffered from this. Molecular, molecular and cell biologist uh, jo- Dr. Jonathan Wells is with us, and uh, his new book is called Zombie Science, uh, came out uh, this spring. His first publication is Icons of Evolution, which shows how biology textbooks routinely promote Darwinism using uh, bogus evidence. I mean, we, can, we could uh, do another a whole show on uh, Icons of Evolution. Uh, but let's talk about the grant money, and how is it that this big money is getting inside research labs, and, and what, have, what are the consequences of it being there? Well, of course, scientific research does require money, uh, but uh, tax money mainly we're talking about here in the, in the grant uh, situation. The tax money is funneled through committees that are dominated by uh, members of the scientific consensus who basically follow certain fads. Uh, one of them is uh, Darwinian evolution. I would say another is man-made global warming. And so they control where that money goes. Uh, I had a a colleague recently was told by the federal funding agencies that they would no longer be giving him money because he's a skeptic of Darwinian evolution. Wow. So this is, um, I mean, so they are suppressing then. If these people have, if these scientists who want to study something, you know, that that runs contrary to the, I guess, the dominant orthodoxy, they get shut out. Yes, they do. They uh, can lose their funding. They can be deprived of their teaching responsibilities, and in some cases, they have lost their jobs entirely. They could lose tenure. Yes, and with that, their job. We had this big march, um, March for Science. It was called. Uh, what was that all about? The idea that they're all the scientific community was coming together. Uh, for this march for science, and again, which seem you know, you, you use the term consensus. What does science? What does consensus have to do with science? Well, not much, really. Consensus is just another way of saying majority opinion. But the consensus has often been wrong throughout history. So, whatever the consensus is now is not the judge of what's true. What's the judge of what's true is the evidence. So, the march in April was supposedly about evidence-based science, but it was really about pressuring politicians to go along with the consensus and keep up the funding for things like Darwinian evolution and global warming. So how do you continue to study? You're getting independent grant money. 
I mean, how how are you able to get out there and generate interest? I mean, if you're such a pariah now in the scientific world, who you know who who are these brave souls that are willing to uh, to line up and fund you? Well, uh, independent individuals, uh, contributors to the organization I work for, the Discovery Institute in Seattle. Um, and uh, there are plenty of other brave souls, actually. Actually, most, most scientists are not, uh, you know, like this. They just want to do their work and be left alone. But there's a significant number who enforce the consensus, and they're the ones who are the problem. Just going back to icons of evolution for a moment, you, you talk about all of these misrepresentations that you find that you were able to find in in textbooks, the old school textbooks. Can you give us a, a few of, uh, examples of that? Sure. Well, the one I first noticed uh, was a set of drawings by 19th century German Darwinist Ernst Haeckel, and they're drawings of embryos that supposedly show that we look a lot like fish as early embryos. Well, the drawings were faked. They were pointed. That was pointed out by Heckel's contemporaries, and yet they appeared in biology textbooks pretty commonly right up through 2000 when I wrote Icons of Evolution. Uh, I criticized them. Some textbooks removed them, but they're still there in some textbooks. So they're they're they're, the, they're some of the, they're among the zombies. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Wells is uh, with us, molecular biologist and uh, the author of Zombie Science. Uh, you pointed out something I wasn't aware of, and that is that uh, Darwin actually uh, believed that whales may have been evolved from bears. That's just, on the surface, just sounds absolutely absurd. Well, he did. Uh, in fact, uh, so many people laughed at him for it, he took it out of subsequent editions of The Origin of the Species, but he continued to believe it privately. And are there are there textbooks uh, who who still try to make that that connection that that whales evolved from some land mammal like a wolf or or something? Absolutely, it's quite common in textbooks. Uh, in the 1980s, uh, a wolf-like animal was discovered in Pakistan that had a bone in its ear, its middle ear, uh, that up to that point had only been found in whales. So even though it was a wolf-like animal living entirely on land. It was named Pakacetus, or Pakistani whale. And that still stands in, in a number of biology textbooks. Yes, pretty much all of them. And well, what it amounts to is that there's a story to be told here, and it doesn't matter whether the evidence really fits it, uh, but things have to be found to illustrate the story, and Pakacetus is one of them. I mean, I think we can all we all appreciate you know micro evolution and uh, adaptation and so forth. But you can't even argue now. You can't even have a debate about macro evolution and, and Darwinism uh, without being shouted down. Uh, might, much in the same way, you can't uh, challenge uh, the establishment on anthropogenic global warming without being called a denier. Um, I mean, we're just finding the level of discourse in all areas of society. We, we talked earlier about politics and, and how dangerous it's getting uh, now for conservatives simply to espouse their views. Um, but is, are you finding the same thing in the scientific community? That that, that uh, I mean, it's one thing to hold these views, but you can't even have a, a cogent and rational discussion with someone on the other side without being shouted down? Unfortunately, that has become the case. Uh, things were actually more open about 20 years ago, but the, the polar, 
civilization has reached a point now where critics of Darwinian evolution or critics of man-made global warming are shouted down, as you say. I, I've been called a denier, of course. I've also been called a terrorist, an enemy of civilization, uh, because I am a critic of Darwinian evolution. And you're not necessarily arguing for, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, arguing for creation. You're just saying, listen, however we got here, it may not have been the way that Darwin suggested. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Absolutely. That's correct, yes. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Jonathan Wells, you are a brave man, and I commend you uh, for your work. Keep doing what you're doing. And uh, where can people get a hold of zombie science? Well, they can get that and Icons of Evolution and other works at www.iconsofevolution.com. Iconsofevolution.com. Uh, Dr. Wells, if you're good for it, I'd love to have you on the program down the road, and we'll dedicate uh, a bigger chunk of time to talk about uh, evolution. Would you, would you be good for that? I would. Thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Dr. Jonathan Wells, thank you. Icons of Evolution. Dot com. All right, bottom of the hour, the big reveal for our weekly remote viewing experiment. That's always fun. What's in the box? Use the hashtag TCS Remote and a, a special story of the mysterious little people from our very own Ian Robertson. That's coming up next on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Actually, uh, we'll do open lines at the top of the hour for the half hour. Open lines. And uh, coming up next, or shortly, I should say, is a documentary filmmaker, paranormal investigator, Chad Kalick. He has a, a new documentary out. Uh, it's called Sir No Face Lives, and he'll, he'll be touring it across North America beginning in August. We'll give you more details. Uh, you may know Chad from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter. Uh, this one is a uh, documentary that purports to show definitive proof that ghosts are real, including a full-body apparition. This was a part of a study, apparently, a paranormal research project that was um, sanctioned by the Australian government. And uh, Chad Kalick will be here shortly to tell us. Right now, of course, we will uh, reveal what's in the box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. And uh, before we uh, go to the Twitter feed to find out uh, what people are seeing or remote viewing, and remember, you must use the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and you must use the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS Remote, at Richard Serrett. Let's go around the horn first of all, and we begin with um, Ian Robertson in the other room. Ian, what's in the box? Uh, I'm seeing bread. <laughs> I know. I'm, Bread. Yeah, I'm seeing dough. All right, dough. Yeah. Well, that's different. That could be money. It could be money. Ah, all right. <laughs> dough, bread, money. Uh, Albert Venzel. Uh, I get something ground and dense. I, I guess uh, golf ball. Golf ball. Maybe because it's Father's Day. But all right. And uh, finally, Ryan White. What do you see? What's in the box? Kind of similarly to Albert, but I, instead of a golf ball, I see like a long, summery object, like a barbecue spatula or a fly swatter, something oh, long. Interesting. With a, All right. Yeah. Okay. What's uh, on the Twitter feed, Ryan? A, a ton of guesses on the Twitter feed tonight. I'll try to get to as many as we can here. Uh, Eric, a spool of thread, mm -hmm. seven flamingos, a golf tee. Uh, Drew, a stuffed toy dog, like a beanie baby. Jamie, a box of Smarties. Josh, a remote control. Daniel, a red action figure toy. Uh, YY, a letter opener. Aaron, a floppy disk. John, dice. 
Rogue One, a 1974 Canadian quarter. Aaron G, <laughs> a one-ounce bar of silver bullion. And the Mojo family thinks it's an orange Zippo. An orange Zippo. Oh, wow. All right. Well, who said a, lo- a letter opener? It's sort of close, but not quite. Why, why? why? Yeah. Long-time viewer. Yes, she is. And um, I, I, not close enough, I'm afraid. It's a comb. Can you see that? A black comb. Some of you saying, why don't you use it once in a while? <laughs> All right. There we go. Well, thank you for playing, and we'll, uh, we'll, start it. we'll do it next week again. What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment. All right. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, uh, I was sitting in the back studio. Uh, Ian was uh, producing. We were doing a, um, a, uh, a pre-taped interview. With, it was with Chris O'Brien, remember, the cattle mutilation guy. No, no, I'm sorry. It was with Rosemary Ellen Guiley weeks yep. before that. Yep. Rosemary was telling us, we were talking about this study up in Alaska. They, the the soci- um, anthropologists were going up there to study these um, Native American legends of little people. Do you remember that story? Yep. Okay, so after the interview, Ian, you told me this remarkable story. You yeah. said, well, hey, that reminded me of something, and just take it away. You have a story about little people. Yeah, my mom used to see one. Uh, so basically, when she was a young child, uh, she would always tell her parents, uh, I, I see this man-like creature at the end of my bed, and it's tiny, and it would just sit and smile at her. How old was she? Around, I think, five or six. So she was a kid. Okay. Yeah. But she remembers it vividly. Vividly. And, of course, her parents would say, oh, you're imagining it. It's nighttime. Maybe you're sleeping. It's a nightmare or whatever. Right. But she was keen on it. How often did she see this little man? Often, like maybe once a month, I think she said. Once a month? Yeah, so it was, it was often. And how long did that continue? I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, but what was weird is one of the nights, uh, my uncle was sleeping in, in the same room. Her brother. Her brother, yeah, and uh, she he saw the little creature at the end of the bed. So he, of course, jumped up yelling, and the creature jumped to the window and ran down the east off. So that was like a little solid, like proof. Yeah, corroborating you know? evidence. Yeah. So two of them saw it. But of course, the parents know you're making it up. Attention, you know. Is your is your uncle still alive? Yep. And you talk to him about yep, this? Yeah, he's. He and said he it swears up and down. And is he older or younger than your mother? Older. Older. Okay. Yeah. So how old was he at the time then? How much older is he? I think they're about four or five years apart. So he would have been ten. Yeah. So I mean, kids still make up stuff, but they do. But. But when you when you grow out of that stage and, yeah. you're, and you're an adult, then you sort of you tend to disavow that. Yeah. But they they maintain it to this day. Well, on top of that, when my mom had her first son, my older brother, she saw it in the hallway, leading to his room. Get out. Yeah, and of course she yelled at it, "No, stop, leave!" And it ran towards his room. So of course she runs in. And it was it wasn't there. Wow. Yeah. Albert Ryan, what do you make of this? So, I mean, like I said, I had multiple uh, adults corroborating the story. It's pretty wild. And your mother saw it when your, your, your sibling was born. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Albert, do you believe in the, 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 the little people story being spun here? I, I, I believe it because I've seen some, too. You've seen some. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Where did you oh, see yeah, them? All the time. All uh, the time? All the time. <laughs> I, well, I, I, it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain. You see little people where? In your house? How little uh, are we talking about, first of all? I don't count. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a little guy. No, well, hang on, Albert, just one the, second. Uh, when uh, Graham Hancock was here, the, the elves, that's a, that's a very well-known thing when you take ayahuasca. You, the elves is commonly seen. It's like Do part you of take ayahuasca? 
Um, I know. But, but it's the same as an altered state, like the, the DMT, like in your brain. Like if you just relax, you, you will drift off to an altered state. So you're seeing them when you're in an altered state. Yeah, then then you will see them. And and it's 100%. Everyone sees the elves. That's like a, a, a very common thing with ayahuasca. Okay, I'm not... <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you to confirm or deny, <laughs> but I'll throw it out there. I mean, do you? Oh, I am going to ask you. Do you use ayahuasca? No, just just for meditating. Like I went to Vipassana, and they say, you know, you just sit under a tree, and, and you know, able able, you you know, it's not uncommon at all to see like fairies or elves or like a magical realm. All right. Uh, are you seeing them now? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Ian, how how tiny were they? Uh, I, I don't know. Like a foot, ten inches. I like think it would have been more than, more than a foot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. All right. I thought you might all enjoy that. I certainly did. Chad Kalick from Paranormal State and American Ghost Hunter will be here to tell us about the Sir No Face Tour, the Sir No Face Lives Tour, which uh, is a documentary purporting to show definitive proof that ghosts are real. That conversation is next on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up at the uh, top of the hour, open lines, and uh, then the last half hour of the program, Pastor Carl Gallops uh, will be with us. The author of When the Lion Roars and Final Warning will be here to talk about the uh, alien deception, and um, among other things. Sir No Face, the documentary uh, which chronicles the Australian government's sanctioned paranormal investigation uh, that led to the filming of a full-body apparition for the first time in history, definitively proving the existence of ghosts. Wow, that's a pretty tall order. Well, we are going to uh, talk about the um, Sir No Face Lives tour right now, uh, hosted by Chad Kalick, who's known for his unique visual storytelling style, his poetic narration. He's best perhaps known as the on-screen focus director and producer of his autobiographical American Ghost Hunter, which was a documentary series chronicling the Kalick family's 20-year battle with the paranormal, uh, including Chad's attempts to determine if his own mother's alleged possession issues were authentic, or merely a case of mistaken mental illness. American Ghost Hunter would become the only independent paranormal documentary to ever claim the number one chart position as the most watched movie in America on Hulu and is currently the number three most watched paranormal film of all time on Hulu. As a paranormal investigator, Kalik has spent over 25 years investigating the world's most haunted locations in search of uh, answers to the bizarre, the mysterious, and the unexplained. Although known for capturing some of the most compelling evidence in the history of the paranormal field, Kalik has had, uh, has also developed a reputation as a staunch debunker who's discovered rational explanations to many of the world's most famous paranormal legends. He's, uh, he first burst onto the national scene in 2008 as the outspoken and often censored co-star and director of what would ultimately became, become rather, a five-season run of A&E's hit reality series, paranormal state. Chad Kalick, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Thank you for having me, my friend. That, that's quite an introduction. I, I appreciate it. So, uh, the the, the um, Sir No Face Lives tour kicks off in August in Austin, and then in September, it's a 28-city tour, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It runs uh, almost uh, just under six weeks. 
So we're going to be on the road the whole time, um, letting everybody see uh, what went down in Australia. And as I said off the top, uh, this documentary, you're purporting that you're offering definitive proof for the existence of ghosts. Are we going to see a full-body apparition in this documentary? Uh, you're going to see one step out of a wall uh, about eight feet in front of the camera in perfect focus and actually turn and look directly at the camera into the lens uh, before disappearing once again. Um, and it's not just the footage alone. When this footage was first uh, brought to my attention, uh, when I set out to make this documentary, I wholeheartedly believed I was going to be making a documentary about a gentleman that I was going to expose as a hoaxer, uh, simply because the footage was unlike anything I had ever seen. And every layer that I peeled back of this uh, story uh, this gentleman, Craig Powell, was his name, and his team is the West Sydney Paranormal Research Team. And uh, I have never went as far as I did with this uh, to try to disprove something um, as hard as I possibly could. And uh, when it comes right down to it, um, this is the real deal. This is the real deal, and people will see that uh, in this film. It's not just this piece of footage. There's many pieces of footage in the film that are truly mind-blowing. One of them you can see in the trailer where they had developed, during this two-year two investigation, they had developed what they termed as relationships with these spirits to the degree that they could do mind-bending feats that defied all science or all rational explanation, all scientific explanation, such as lighting up a room like a lightning bolt hit uh, so bright that no shadows were cast with 12 people in the room uh, as though the light was emanating everywhere. This and, is a room with uh, no electricity. They're sitting in the dark, and all of a sudden there's a, this, this flash poof, of light. Poof, absolutely. And what's really interesting about the clip is the building they were in had no electricity running to it. There was no electricity anywhere in the building. Um, they actually went as far as to bring government officials in who experienced it as well. It terrified them. They went running out of the place. Uh, they brought skeptics from the street, literally went out and found people to bring them in to document it. Uh, that's one of the fascinating things about this team is they did everything right as a team as far as, um, you know, documenting this and bringing in people um, to just independently uh, witness an, an experience. And this is just one clip of a number of clips. Um, and how the whole thing got started was fascinating. Yes, uh, let's talk about that. Um, owned this this uh, island just off the coast of Sydney, um, called Cockatoo Island, and it was a, a former naval uh, base um, as well as a former um, convict prison. And they were looking for something to do with it, so they turned it into this beautiful public park where there's like you know 200 amazing like. Uh, uh, tarp tinted shelters and and they and they an open campground and I've been on that island four times I've yet to see a soul on that island and there's a free ferry over there and the reason this all started is because people were coming over civilians and were having crazy paranormal experiences that were scaring them to death and they were leaving and the, the government also couldn't keep people employed over there because they were having experiences and that's when they reached out to Craig um, at first I didn't believe that story until he verified it all with me showed me all the correspondence all the emails and then I knew it was true and the government um, started pressuring me to remove their names from the emails that I was using in the trailer in the film which of course I refused to do uh, the story is unlike anything anybody has ever seen. 
Um, and I, I cannot wait for people uh, to see this at large. Chad Kalick is uh, with us, uh, the man behind Paranormal State, American Ghost Hunter, and now Sir No Face Lives, uh, the documentary, is uh, touring across uh, the United States. Any dates uh, anticipated for Canada? Because we'd love to see it up here too, Chad. Um, that's definitely in the works right now. We wanted to try to like clip uh, a part of Canada when we were up in New England, but then the decision was made, let's just go ahead and um, handle the U.S., and then we are going to um, uh, Australia, New Zealand in October, and then after that I think there's a uh, very, very good chance you'll see a Canadian tour um, to show everybody up there what's going on with the film. And if people want additional information about the tour and, and a list of the uh, the dates, there are 28 different cities, and it kicks off in Austin August 2nd. Uh, and then, as I say, uh, September 20th, 28 different cities. You can go to sirnoface.com, sirnoface.com, and that'll give you a list of the uh, the cities and so forth. Um, now, you're staking your reputation on this. I mean, when you say this offers definitive proof for the existence of ghosts, full stop, I mean, yes, sir. That's, uh, that, that's putting it all on the line. You know, and if you'd have told me that, you know, that I would have been doing this uh, when this began, I would have never, uh, I, you know, I told you were crazy. Because, again, I mean, I've debunked some of the biggest legends around as well. But the bottom line is, when you go through every possible scenario known to man, um, when, when, you know, I, I brought in a CGI expert. I mean, this is the guy who made Transformers, the first Transformers. He did all the CGI for the Avengers, Benjamin Button, Iron Man. And he's looking at me and going, yeah, no, it's not CGI. And, and everybody will see in the film how we were able to determine who, who, who even had access to the island and how this could have possibly happened. And every single possibility is just buttoned up. At the end of the day, you know, when you're left with no answers but one, I think you have to call it what it is. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, uh, every person in the world is going to go, yes, that, well, look, I mean, we have global warming deniers, but yet it's going on. So there, I'm sure there will be people that say, oh, I don't care, you know, I don't care what, but the bottom line is, there is no other explanation except for that this entity, uh, we use the word ghost, uh, this apparition is the real deal. Uh, it is not a human being. Um, we can prove this. Uh, it, 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 I don't know what it is. The way it moves is so shocking. Um, you know, you see in the trailer, uh, we've done some test screenings of it uh, with the rough cut, and you can see the responses of people who have come and, and to the event. And it's not like we had to, you know, handpick these responses. You'll see many responses of people that say, look, I'm a staunch skeptic. I showed up as a complete disbeliever, and I'm certain of what they captured. Um, Do you have those test dates? I never had a single person walk up to me and say, I don't think that's what you think it is. Uh, uh, does uh, that mean that won't happen? Um, I, I don't know. But I am certain what it is to the point where I would stake my reputation on it, absolutely. And um, do you anticipate getting serious coverage from uh, the from journalists on, on this? Will they come and will they watch and will they report what they see, do you think? Well, what's beautiful is in the test dates that we did, uh, we did 17 total um, in different areas of the country, and we also invited the press. And the press did an amazing job of covering and um uh, you can see their responses in the extended trailer as well, which is on, which is at sirnoface.com. 
Um, and absolutely, we're inviting the press on each of these stops. Uh, I've spent the last week doing national press here in the States, um, from uh, mainstream political talk radio uh, to I have Coast to Coast coming up on the 24th. Um, across the gamut, everybody has been interested in the story, and it's been growing. And um, we absolutely invite the press in to, to, to see the film and to, uh, and to come to the screening and to see, you know, exactly, you know, what goes down. And, you know, this is always, it's a big thing for me to do, too, because, you, as you said earlier, and you're staking a lot on this, after the screening, I'm there to take, you know, a Q&A with the crowd. So imagine how confident I must be to say, I will screen this, and when it's over, I will stand on a stage with nowhere to hide, just me and the audience, and we can have a discussion about it. And so, again, you've um, had CGI yeah, experts. Growing. Yeah, you've sure. had CGI experts uh, look at this, yeah. and uh, are, would they be willing to, I don't know, assign a sworn affidavit to that effect, do you think? Well, they're in the film. Yeah. I okay, mean, so they're on record. Not only that... Yeah. He uh, creates his own version of it, you understand? Like he uh, creates yes. his own uh, attempt at it as well, uh, you know, to demonstrate the differences. And uh, he's in the film. I mean, he's, it's, you know, he, 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 we signed an affidavit, I'm sure, but it's not going to be stronger than his own words. <laughs> you know? There you go. No, he's on the record. Yeah, no, he's on the record. No, he's in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And this this entity, you say it's not human. You know that, and we'll let people watch the documentary to find mm -hmm. out, you know, why you believe it's. But how? Who came up with the the name Sir No Face? Well, uh, as the film uh, reveals, there's a part of it I don't want to reveal right now because I don't want to give it away for people. But I could tell you where the No Face part came from, and that was um, Craig has many. You know, he just has a, a wealth of footage. And when talking about the different pieces, we were going to include because because Craig could honestly make five different you know documentaries. He has he has enough footage for five different documentaries. But when we were discussing the different pieces of footage, uh, the reason this one b became known as the No Face piece is because, as you will see, it has facial feature or, or like the the rounded. It, it has no definable facial features. Although it has kind of the rounded uh, features of a face, so right. we would say um, th this is the ghost with no face. So we started calling it the no face footage, and there's a reason uh, you'll see in the film why it became known as Sir, which is what they called it. Well, so Chad, I gotta I gotta run. Let me direct people to the website SirNoFace.com. Tour kicks off August 2nd in Austin, then 28 cities beginning September 20th. SirNoFace.com. Chad, a great pleasure. I hope you'll come back. Thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Chad Kalick, Sir No Face Lives. Open lines coming up next. Stay with us.